Well, good morning. morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. It is so good to see you. And before I forget, thank you also and good morning to everybody watching online. We have so many who are traveling and the sicknesses and the things, but we're so glad that you're joining us as well. It's not the same when you're not here, but we are glad you're still with us. And I'm so glad all of you are here with us as well. We're going to jump into God's word. But before we do that, I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to give him a fist bump and say, thank you for sitting beside me. I'm better because of you. Yeah, then you can have a seat. Thank you so much. Yeah. Sometimes you sit by the wrong person, you know, and they just, they just make it awkward. Every time I tell you to say something, they look at you and kind of give you that, that mm, mm, we're not talking to each other, right? But if you're beside somebody who has fun with you, you can have a good time, right? Well, how, how many of you got your Bibles with you? Let me see your analog Bible. If you got it with you, let me see it. Yeah, I see it. Let me see your, your digital Bible. How many's got those with you? I see those, yeah. If you want to go ahead and open those to Luke chapter 9, we're going to get there eventually, and it's going to be a lot of fun. How many of you have got your, uh, your notebooks with you, your journals? Can I see those? Yeah, I love it, love it. Love it. Uh, if you do not have an ROC journal, we would love to give you one of these uh, because uh, we have notes for you inside your worship guide. You can find those notes. Also on our mobile app, you can find message notes. But my favorite thing is not always the blanks that I give you, but what you write in the margins, the things that, that God starts to speak to you that, that only he could, could say. And, and sometimes you don't always have a place to put that. And I know what I used to do is I would write it down in my phone but it would just so happen when I would start to type that out, boy, I get that notification, you know, and, and like 10 minutes later, I forgot what was going on. So this is a great place where you can do that. Also, we're reading the Bible together and you can soap through that. If you want to know what that even means, you can check at the uh, Welcome Center and get a soap guide on how you can read God's word and write that down with us as we are just learning God's word together. And as we get ready to jump into the message, one of the things I love about January's is it is a really good time to kind of course correct, kind of, kind of tighten up anything that's gotten a little bit loose, kind of, kind of fix a few things as you get ready to go into a new year. And so one of the things we always do as a church is that we just take the first two or three weeks of the year and just kind of reset the course for who we are as a church, our vision and our, our values of who we are. And what the vision of our church is, is we get it from the words of Jesus who said this, Eventually, there it is. Uh, Jesus said, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. In other words, he was looking at these uh, people and he wanted them to follow him. And he said, listen, here's my big idea for you is that you need to follow me. And if you do, I am going to do something in your life. And then when I'm going to do something in your life, it is going to so change you that you're going to better make a difference in the world around you. We just sum that up in three words that as a church, we exist to make disciples by following Jesus growing in freedom and sharing the hope of Jesus with everyone around us. And so everything we do is surrounded with that. And that's, that helps you maybe understand a little bit more about some of the things we do is it's surrounded by those three things. But as your pastor, one of the things that I like to do, I, I started this year around October, is I started praying about the next year, 2022. And I just said, okay, God, we're going to do this vision that you've given us but is there a particular way we need to look, look at it, a particular lens we need to look through to really add some tools to our tool belt this year? And what I really felt like God was bringing up to me over and over and over again until I realized it was going to be kind of the theme, the rallying cry for us all year. And so if you're taking notes, this is where we are going this entire year. And that is that in 2022, we're going to focus on the fact that we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. 
And that's what this, this series is about, is about how we see the, our vision through the lens of that. And, and I didn't come up with that, obviously. That is, that is the most used term, metaphor, in the Bible to try to help describe what we are supposed to be to one another. Jesus would use all these different metaphors in the Bible to try to explain complex spiritual principles. And so in the, in, um, the, the epistles and different places, God's word uses this idea of being a body to describe how we are supposed to relate to each other, which I think is really, really like perfect. Because if you think about it, the best way to look at, at us could, should be a body because if, you, you never go anywhere without your body. At least I hope you don't. <laughs> if you do, talk to me after church. We're gonna, we're gonna help you in Jesus' name because you usually should take your body anytime you go anywhere and you don't just take part of your body. If you do, still, talk to me. I'd like to know your story. You don't look at your arm and say, hey, listen, bro, you stay here. I'm going to the store. No, whether you enjoy your arm or not, it's coming with you, right? The other thing I love about our bodies is it doesn't matter how good the rest of me is working. If this hand hurts, my whole body cares. Like, you ever done that? Have you ever been doing just fine, but then all of a sudden maybe you, 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 you clip your fingernail a little bit too much, and now your entire body is worried about that fingernail because it hurts? Well, that's the way we should be as the body of Christ. When one of us hurts, all of us hurt. When one of us wins, all of us win. We're supposed to be something more than a group of people that meet on Sunday mornings. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it like this. It says, just as our bodies have fingernails and toenails and wrists and elbows and things, and they all have a special function, so it is with Christ's body. And just as we are many parts of one body, we all belong to each other. So what we're going to focus on this year is how can we figure out what that looks like in a world that is constantly pushing us toward isolation and over individualism. Now, I'm all about being an individual and all that, but I feel like sometimes our culture pushes it so far that we are automatically suspect of anybody else that wants to do anything together. And then isolation, it just seems like it's, it's kind of the word of the day that it's just being pushed that way, whereas the word of God is constantly pushing us together because many of us have been trying to do life alone so long and we're outnumbered. Because at any given time, if you're a Christ follower, you got three things that are against you, and that's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you're trying to live for Christ, you're always going to be outnumbered unless you get the body of Christ around you. And so my hope for us is that we will stop trying to do life alone, and we will gather around one another and earn the right to be heard in one another and to, to grow to a place where we can be the body of Christ. And so the big idea for this year, and if you're taking notes, this is big idea of this series, is my hope for us is that this year we will discover the joy of being the body of Christ by following Jesus, growing in freedom, and sharing our hope together. And if, if, you, if, if you already kind of are taking the analog notes, if you want to turn me down just a little bit, if, if you're taking analog notes, I want you to circle the word together because that's the, if, if I could have done it differently, I would have said following Jesus together growing in freedom together and sharing our hope together because that's, that's the goal this year is to get off of our islands. And listen, some of us have really good reasons for being on islands. Some of us were wounded. Some of us were hurt. Some, some of us have said, listen, I love Jesus, but I don't like his church anymore. Can I tell you? I get it. So we're going to work really hard to find some healing and to take some steps of freedom because we need each other. And we're going to slowly do this together. Last time we met, which was two weeks ago, we talked about how the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to follow Jesus by reading his word together. 
And if you want to stop by the Welcome Center, you can get the, uh, the paper notes of the Bible reading planner. You can go to that link and take a, a screenshot of it real quick, and I'll smile for you. There you go. That's all you got. I'm, I'm moving on. But we, we're going to read two chapters a day together so that we can get to know our king, get to know uh, the, the one that we've given our lives to. When salvation is kind of like a spiritual marriage, we said, I do to Jesus. We need to know who this person is that we've connected ourselves to. And so we're going to start the process of being the body of Christ by getting to know the head, getting to know the one who is truly in charge. And today we're going to talk about the second part of this that we're going to work our way into. And that is that together we will grow in freedom one intentional step at a time. We're gonna grow in freedom one small but strategic step at a time. And as a church, we're just gonna just, we say this all the time, but this is gonna be something that you are gonna hear maybe almost every Sunday because we just wanna own this, and that is everybody in this room has a private battle nobody else knows about, everybody. Even, even the person sitting beside you who looks like a million bucks and they do look like a million bucks and they are awesome, they have a private battle nobody else knows about. I have a private, private battle that you don't know about and you're not gonna know about it. <laughs> but somebody is because I'm determined to walk in freedom in my life. And so we all have them. Can we just all say we're all in the same boat? We all have them and it's different for everybody. I don't know what yours is. It could be fear. It could be fear of a, of, of a relationship falling apart or financial fear or fear of tomorrow. It could be an addiction that you have are past wanting to get out of your life, but it keeps hanging on in your life. It could be a relational situation. It could simply be spiritual apathy. I'm so ashamed that I just don't care, but I want to. I want to fall in love with Jesus. I want to pursue God in my life, but I just don't care, but I want to. That's a private battle. And the thing is, is the only way we can take steps forward is to first of all realize it's there and then take one intentional step at a time away from those bondages and toward freedom. And as a church, we're going to be providing throughout this year all kinds of different, oh Lord, not yet, all kinds of different opportunities. We're about to get started with life groups and you need to be part of a life group. We're gonna be releasing that information here in just a, a week or so. You need to be part of a life group. Worship nights where we can just come together and the only thing on the agenda is worship. We're gonna give you opportunities to serve at church because we need to serve other people. We're gonna serve in our city. Our life groups are gonna be doing outreach projects together. It's gonna to be amazing. We're working on how we're gonna start having communion once a month here at RLC because it is one of the most powerful ways to worship. We're gonna do it as a church community. We're offering prayer opportunities throughout the service that we can constantly, if you want someone to pray with you one-on-one, -on -one, it's going to be available. I haven't figured this out yet, but we're working on opportunities to make sure we're answering questions that you're asking. And so maybe once a quarter, we're going to take a whole service and the message is just going to be answering difficult questions because I don't know about you, but I've got them, you've got them, and I want you to stop going to Google because it's crazy and let's go to God's word instead. We're going to provide you with opportunities to take steps of freedom. And I will be honest with you, what I wanted to do is I wanted to spend this whole message talking about how that is important and, and, and the importance of relationships and all of that, but I really felt like that God kept speaking to me that I needed to talk about something that if I'm honest, I have let you down as your pastor because I have not told you that there's a price for freedom, that there's a cost associated with freedom. And what's happened to many of us in our lives is we have started the steps of freedom. And as soon as we felt some pushback, we gave up because nobody told us it was supposed to be hard. 
We just thought, well, I showed up, where's my freedom? Only to realize that freedom isn't free. And so we're gonna talk about that today. And I hope this is an encouragement for you because for some of us, you have been so discouraged because you want freedom in your life and you went to a life group and you tried a worship night, you tried to serve and you got lots of questions, but you keep falling backwards because nobody ever talked to you about the cost of freedom, that it is costly, but it is so very worth it. And so I wanna share with you my heart on what God has had to teach me. We're gonna to go to Luke chapter nine to talk about this, but to do this, I wanna give you kind of a, a quick story to help you frame this, how I see it in my mind. And that is, and I've got the shirt to prove it, that back in 2014, I had an awesome opportunity to run the Nashville City Marathon. Look at that guy. That's one fine looking man right there, okay? <laughs> now, that guy is scared to death because he is about to run a marathon. And I know you can't really see it from where you're sitting, but that is thousands of people. And at the very bottom of that, that's the starting line, which was kind of horrible because we started running back here and it took us 10 minutes just to get to the starting line. I thought that was like cheating or something somehow. But I had this opportunity to run this marathon and it was, it was amazing. It was so much fun. And then when I finished it, that's me. All right, I'm sunburned, I've got a little throw up right there. Don't look at that, it's okay. I got the water bottles, I got the hat on backwards. I wanna pass out, but I've got on the brave face because I just crossed the finish line. I did it, ran the marathon, it was awesome. And what started happening was, is I started telling people about what had happened. And I would tell them this, they would say like, well, what's new in your life? I'd be like, oh, let me tell you what's new in my life. And I would tell them this, I would say, man, I just ran a marathon. There were thousands of people cheering for me because I had on a pink shirt and they didn't know me, but there were thousands of people along the, the street and they had up signs and they would be like, you go pink shirt, you got this. And for like the first mile or two, I had no idea who they were talking about. But then I was like, that's me. And so they would say, you go pink shirt. I'm like, I'm going, I'm, I'm doing that. I mean, I would just pump me up. So it was, I know it's silly, but when you're running a long way, I mean, you do what you gotta do. I would tell people, man, it was a great experience. I got a medal. I got great pictures. I, there were music, because it's the Nashville City Marathon, of course, every mile along the race, they had a different band playing, um, sometimes country music, which was unfortunate, but other places, <laughs> I ran through those. I didn't stop and get water, but the rest of them, I'm just joking, only serious. Okay, they, but it was, it was amazing. But you know what people kept asking me is they kept saying, but that sounds great. I should do that too. When's the next one? Was it fun? And I would look at them and just, was it fun? Uh, was it, that's not really the word I would choose. And I'd be like, what you said you had an amazing time. I was like, fun. I, and, I, and then I would say, oh, you, you don't know the rest of the story. Well, here, here's the rest of the story. A, a, a marathon is, is, is 26 miles. Okay, that is from here to the Tennessee line, by the way, if you don't know how far that is. Uh, if, you, if you don't go to Tennessee that often, it's from here to Scottsville. It's about the same distance. That's how far I had to run at one time and not die. I had to train for over a year. I did the math on this. I ran over 2,350 miles. That is just shy of coast to coast in the United States over the course of a year. It was a long way. I ran in the snow and in the heat. I had a strict eating plan. I had constant injuries, lost three toenails because of this. Um, went to the chiropractor on the weekly for a while because I wasn't doing it right. That's my fault. Race day, I got sick, threw up all over the place and it cost more money than I thought because I kept running out of shoes and my shirt and my, my things and stuff. And so when people asked me if it was fun, it's like, eh, that is not the word I would choose. It's, I don't, some parts of it were fun, 
Parts of it were really hard. Well, then what was it? It was amazing. It was life-changing. I still look at my life as my life before I ran a marathon and after because I just see the world different. I, I didn't even know I could do that. I just, it is amazing what God gave me the strength to be able to do, but is it fun? Uh, not really, but I wouldn't trade anything for it. And do you know the longer I serve Jesus, that's exactly the way I describe my relationship with God. And people say, man, I wanna give my life to Christ. Is it fun? I'm like, I mean, part of it, yeah, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory, but I don't know if I'd characterize it as fun. I would characterize it as life-changing, awe-inspiring, amazing. That, like, I don't have words to describe it, but I can't, I can't wrap it up as something simple like fun. It's so much more than fun. And that's what I wanna kinda of share my heart with you today, that, that you know what freedom is? Freedom is powerful. Freedom is amazing. Freedom is speechless to wake up in the morning and not be bound by something you used to be bound by. But is the journey fun? Not always, but it's powerful. So this is a difference that I think all of us need to understand if you're taking notes, and that is to realize, to make sure you understand me, that salvation is a free gift received by faith. I'm not talking about earning salvation today. You can't earn it, so don't even try. You, Jesus paid a price we couldn't pay to, so we could receive something we could never earn. We receive salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't, we don't pursue freedom so that we can have the favor of God. We pursue freedom because we have the favor of God. He makes freedom possible because of salvation. So salvation is a free gift of grace received by faith. But, and this is the difference, I think that for so many times we didn't mean to, and as your pastor, I think I didn't, I didn't mean to, but I did this and I made this the same thing. Freedom is an opportunity received by obedience. Salvation is a free gift received by faith. Freedom is an opportunity received by obedience. And that's why I wanna give you some hope because for some of us, when we gave our lives to Christ, it was like we just showed up and was like, okay, freedom. But that's not quite how it works. I don't know if your story is the same as mine, but the, the night that I realized that Jesus didn't just die to save the world, he died to save me from my sins. And I gave my heart and my life. I said, I do to Jesus. Jesus, take all of me. I went home that night and man, I just was so excited about the love of God. I woke up the next day. I was still excited about the love of God, but I discovered I had issues. I wasn't there yet. I, I, I still had had hangups, I still had attitude problems, I still had some addictions and some things. And what I started to realize is that salvation is free. And then what God does is he opens the lock, he or unlocks the lock, he opens the door and he begs you to come forward. But freedom is then a process of walking to freedom hand in hand with the Lord. Is it fun? Not always. But is it powerful? Is it life-changing? Is it awe-inspiring? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. And that's why sometimes life doesn't work for us as Christians. Because I've talked to people who have said, Pastor, I went to life groups and it didn't work. Okay, what did you do? I showed up. Well, that, that's why it didn't work because a life group is an opportunity. But you take that opportunity and you get real and you get honest and that's where freedom starts to come. I've had people that tell me they don't come to church very often because it's boring. You know why it's boring? It's because you're seeing it wrong. Church is not, an entertain, it's not entertainment, it's not a concert. Church is a series of opportunities for you to engage with the power of God. And if you miss it on the first song, you get a chance on the second one, you get a chance on the third one, and then we open God's word and we do it. And all those are opportunities for you to engage and learn more about God. But if you don't engage in any of them, you will leave the same way you came back in. It's just the way it is. And so 
Salvation is a free gift received by grace, but freedom is an opportunity received by obedience. And that's what Jesus is constantly telling the people. As a matter of fact, we're finally at Luke chapter nine. He says this, he says, I want you to be free, but you gotta understand this. He says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, and that's me, I wanna be his follower, you must give up doing it your own way. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I've got a big idea for you. As you start to follow me, this is the amazing thing I love about Jesus, is that once we start to follow him and he becomes our savior and Lord, he doesn't just forget about us and keep going. But while we follow, he turns around and he starts going to war with all the things that try to destroy us. He goes to war with our insecurities and goes to war with our addictions and goes to, because he wants us to be free more than we want to be free. He knows that private battle and he longs for us to be free. But here's the thing is he tells us, he's just very honest. And he says, how's it working for you? How's turning over that new leaf every January working for you? It's not because you need me. C.S. Lewis said, God made us so that we only run right on him. It's like putting any other kind of gas in your car. It just doesn't work. You gotta have God. And, that's, and Jesus knows that. And so he says, you keep on doing it your way, it's not gonna work. But if you follow me and take up your cross, a symbol of death, in other words, a symbol of putting my way down, picking up your way, there's freedom there. There's freedom there. Is it fun? Not always. Is it powerful? Absolutely. The power of God is when we, bend our will to his, because that's where freedom truly is. And so Jesus knows us. And so he's all about the party, he's all about the fun, but he also takes our issues very seriously. And so the next thing, a few, few verses down, he's talking more about the cost of following him. Or do you really want freedom? And he says this, I'm gonna tell you, this makes me feel so uncomfortable because I would have probably been one or three of these people. But what happens is, is Jesus, a few verses later, someone's talking to him and someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And if you're taking analog notes, maybe you want to mark out the word someone and put your name there. Because isn't that when we gave our lives to Christ, that's what we said. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Well, Jesus was excited. But at the same time, he tells the truth. And he says this. He said, just so you know, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. In other words, some people live in hotels. Some people rent out Airbnbs. But I got nowhere. I'm always on the job. Then another person, he said to them, he said to this person, come, follow me. And the man agreed, but had conditions and said, Lord, first let me go home to bury my father. That sounds, that sounds right. Yeah, absolutely. But Jesus told him, no, <laughs> let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Sounds a little harsh, Jesus, but it's what he said. Another person said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family, to which all the family was like, yes. Jesus said, now, <laughs> anyone who puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus don't play. And he don't play because he values our freedom more than we do. And so I'm curious, if Jesus wants all of us to follow him, and he does, and if he wants all of us to have more freedom than we can imagine, then which one of these is sometimes us? Which one of these do we sometimes hesitate 
Like, God, I, I want to go all in for you. I want to serve you. But I feel a little uncomfortable with what Pastor Brandon said because I was always told that serving Jesus is fun and it's a party and it's great and it's awesome. To which I'm saying, it is. But there's also a price to pay for freedom. Well, I don't, I don't know if I like that. Me neither. And I'm curious as to which one of these three that when Jesus calls you higher, and that's what this message is about. Freedom is calling us higher. It's calling us to another place. It's calling us to take another step with him. Which one of these does your heart tend to push back with? And I want you to maybe take a personal inventory as Jesus is testing the hearts of these people who say they wanna follow, because he's like, I want you to follow more than you do. But here's the problem. If you only follow me halfway, it will do more harm than good because you will follow me halfway expecting full results. And then when you don't get it, it's gonna hurt our relationship. So follow me all the way or you're not ready yet. Still love me, but if you, if you want freedom, you gotta go all in. So this is the first thing that he says, and I wonder if this will challenge us as well. And that is that growing in freedom, one intentional step at a time will cost you something. Growing in freedom, one intentional step at a time will cost you something. It, it, it's, it's expensive. It will cost you probably a little bit more than what you wanna pay, but what you get is something you can't imagine. Waking up free, waking up with a future. It's amazing. This is what happened. Jesus was told by this guy, he was telling everybody, I'm gonna follow Jesus wherever he goes. And then Jesus said this. He said, well, listen, just so you know, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. In other words, what is he saying? This, this was an amazing time for the ministry of Jesus. At one point, we know at least 5,000 men. If you add women and children, possibly between uh, 10 and 15,000 people are following Jesus. This was a small town that was moving with Jesus everywhere he went. And he's seeing pe people are getting healed all over the place. He's teaching the multitudes. He's debating with the Pharisees and they're constantly trying to get him with all these difficult questions that even probably the, the, the people that were not the religious elite were wondering about. And Jesus is answering these questions. And it's, it's just, it is just constantly moving and going and moving and going in the height of of all of this fun, this, this guy is like, Jesus, I wanna be on your team. And he's like, great, but realize that, that you don't just serve me in the spotlight, you also have to serve me when nobody else is looking. That the, the really the way you pursue freedom is not when everybody is looking, but when everybody else goes home. The true test of freedom is what are you doing when nobody else is looking? Because he's saying, listen, at some point, everybody else goes home, everybody else goes back to their life, but I keep going. I'm, I'm always on mission. And so what you've got to realize is it's probably going to cost you more than what you thought because yes, it's going to be fun. It's going to be wonderful, but it's also a journey that you have to take and it's going to cost something. It reminds me of when I was, uh, when I was running my, uh, practicing to run my marathon, I was in this place where I didn't realize how much it was going to cost. I mean, shoes are expensive and you got the running gear and, and when it was hot, I had to have one kind of clothes, cold another, and, and then I had to eat a certain kind of diet and this kind of stuff. And then what I didn't expect was all the well-meaning, but kind of teasing from my friends friends, you know, because I would have to go run at all these crazy hours. And they would say, Brandon, I saw you running down the street. You're like, you was about to die, you know? And the truth is I was, you know, but I didn't tell them. I was like, no, man, it was awesome. You know, and, and it hurt a little bit, but I kind of kept going. But I had to realize there was a price I had to pay if I wanted to achieve this thing. And here's the thing. If I didn't, if I didn't do the things, great. I wasn't going to get to run the race. And the truth is for us is that Sometimes pursuing freedom is gonna cost us something. And if you're not willing to pay the price, great. But stop asking God for freedom until you're ready to go all in because he wants to give it to you, but it's gonna require something. 
One of the phrases I've heard is this, and that is that discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom. Realizing, God, I'm going all in for you, and so if, so if you require something of me, I'm going to pay it. What does that look like in real life? Let's say that, that maybe your issue is, is that you, you are, you're addicted to pornography, and you don't want to be. You're past wanting to be free, but it keeps on just drawing you back in because of all these different things, and it's drawing you back in. And you're praying, and you're begging God, God, I need you to deliver me of this. I need to be free of this. But here's the thing. If you're not willing to delete some apps, get really honest with somebody, give people passwords to everything you have, give people access to your phone, and to, to totally cut off things that are going to do. You've got to stop watching some TV shows because you may love the TV show, but there's nudity in it, and you don't need that in your life enough. If you're not willing to do that, Stop asking for freedom because Jesus is going to keep pointing to the cost of freedom. Is it fun? Not always. Is it powerful? Indescribable. To wake up in the morning and not wonder if you're going to be strong that day because he sets you free. That's what Jesus wants for you. And we're going to give you so many opportunities to take steps of freedom, but first you've got to realize the cost associated with freedom. Are you ready to take a step toward freedom? and pay the price. The second thing that Jesus said, not only one intentional step of freedom is gonna cost something, but also that one intentional step of growing in freedom happens on God's terms. It happens on his terms, not on our terms. Because I'll tell you, sometimes my, my walk of freedom, I focus on this one thing, but what God keeps on putting in my life is something else. Because what I don't realize is that that is what's causing that. And so I have to realize, God, I just put myself, you know, metaphorically on your altar and just say, clean me up because I want to be free. And so whatever it is, just help me clean it up in my life. Jesus said it like this. Well, the guy said, hey, listen, I'm going to do it. But first, let me return home and bury my father. And then Jesus says something that at first, can we be honest, it sounds a little hateful, right? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Let the dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to come follow me, preach the kingdom of God. Now, if you look at this with our 21st century eyes, that is extremely offensive, right? Like, hey, look, man, the guy's dead, passed away. He's probably sitting at the funeral home right now. And, and, and a couple of days, there'll be a funeral. And then he's, he's just wanted a couple of days. That's actually not what's going on here. What most likely is going on is this guy is saying, listen, my dad is getting on in years. And he's probably going to be passing away within the next while, maybe a couple of years. Jesus, I need you just to hold that follow me thing. Let, let my dad pass away. Let me gain my inheritance. Let me get my life set up. And then I'm going to follow you. And Jesus is saying, then you're not ready for freedom because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't play games this. I'm, I'm more concerned about your freedom than you are. And so you either follow me or don't. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not waiting until it's convenient for you because I'm sick and tired of seeing your life destroyed because of things you don't even realize are destroying you. And this is the truth. And that is that Jesus does not negotiate. Jesus doesn't negotiate. You know why? Because he is so, so very interested in your freedom that he says, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to negotiate this. I need you to cut this out of your life because you don't even realize what it's doing. It reminds me of, give you an example of this, this idea of, let's say that you walked into a, a room and you had a, a child that had a gun and they're waving it around all over the place and you know it's loaded and there's no safety on it. In that moment, are you going to negotiate with that child as to how many times they get to pull the trigger? <laughs> you know, I want to pull it three times. No, 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 just two, just two, just two. And if you don't mind, don't point it at you or me. Okay, point it at the dog. It's fine. It's fine. All right. No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to negotiate. You're going to do whatever you got to do. Put it down. I just want to pull it twice. I don't care. No, put it down. 
You're going to beg and plead and say, whatever you got to do, put it down. And for some of us, we don't realize that's what, that's what Jesus is doing to some of us is he's given us his word and he's saying, listen, everything written in here is for your benefit. Do you really think that God gets anything out of telling you not to do certain things? No, he, he does it because he knows where the potholes are. He knows where the dangerous places are. And so he's not ne gonna negotiate with you about this, even if it hurts your feelings, because he knows it's power to destroy you. And every one of those things he says not to do are landmines. And so he's not gonna say, step on that one and blow up your leg, but just don't step up on that one. He's gonna say, no, 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 I don't negotiate. And you know, so where God's word says, I, listen, I need you to not sleep around before you get married. I need you to not get drunk with alcohol. I need you to, to not, um, I need you to not uh, cheat on your spouse. I need you to not look at pornography. I need you to not do, it's got nothing to do with him loving you. He loves you either way, but he doesn't want you to destroy your life. He loves you. That's why he doesn't negotiate. He says, here it is, follow it or don't, but that's the price of freedom. And can I tell you, this year, we're gonna pursue freedom. And I cannot wait to see as we take one small strategic step at a time. Some of us, we don't even know how free we can be. I had this happen in my life just a couple of years ago that I was struggling in my mind. I was constantly afraid. I just, I struggled with just fear of the future, constantly fear of the future. And I started feeling the Holy Spirit just leading me to lay that down. And he started taking me through steps of freedom. And I got honest with some people and I said, listen, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have it figured out, but I'm terrified every morning when I get up. And I was starting to walk with people and I cannot tell you the exact moment, but I remember one day when I woke up and I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid anymore because I trusted the Lord that no matter what happened, he was going to be with me. And I didn't even realize how afraid I was until I woke up one day and I wasn't. Not because of how awesome I was, but because of what God did in me. And I don't know what your private battle is, but as your pastor, I feel like it's important to tell you, God wants you free. But most likely, it's gonna cost something. Most likely, it's gonna be something that Jesus is not willing to negotiate about. And here's the last one, and we're gonna pray. And that is this, that growing in freedom one step at a time is not a hobby, it is a focused lifestyle. It's a focused lifestyle. That's what happened at the, the very end. Jesus you know, tells this one guy you know, to follow him. And then the second one, he tells him, hey, look, I know that you're wanting to wait till it's more convenient. Today is the day of salvation. And then this third guy, he says something pretty admirable. And that is, he says, um, he says, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me go say goodbye to my family. And that sounds really good. Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So obviously something is going on here. And what may get lost in the story is the idea of going back to say goodbye was actually a very famous story in the Old Testament between two people with very similar names, a guy named Elijah and Elisha, right? They, they, they weren't creative when, when those babies were born. They came really close. And Elijah was a prophet and Elisha was being recruited to go and kind of be his next up, his protege. And right before he left, uh, Elisha said, hey, Elijah, can I go tell my family goodbye? Sure, go tell your family goodbye. And his family were farmers. And so what he did is he went and told mom and dad goodbye. And then he went and he took the plow and he broke it and burned it as a sacrifice to God saying, I love you guys, but I'm never going back to that life. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna follow the Lord. And so what Jesus is doing is he's catching him on this. He's like, hey, can I go tell mom and dad goodbye? And he, he must know something because he says, anybody who, who says they're gonna follow me, 
but then goes back and does other things, they're not ready yet. They're not ready for freedom because freedom is not a hobby. It's a focused lifestyle. And what Jesus is calling for some of us to do is Jesus is calling us to burn our ships. That comes from a, a phrase in 1519 from a guy named Cortez, he was going to the new world and he brought some soldiers with him and it's famous that once he got everybody and all their supplies off of the ships, he burned them to the ground. And that was his way of saying, now all we do is move forward. There's no way to go back, there's no retreat, it's forward. And for some of us, the reason why we're not walking in freedom, and can I tell you this is my problem, is I keep on looking for an out plan. Like, I'm gonna follow Jesus, but if it gets really hard, I got this other idea that I'm gonna go with. And what I think Jesus is calling for some of us to do is to stop going in 99% and say, you know what, I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna go in 100% and just see what the Lord can do in my life. And here's my question, what if together, what if this year together, we were willing to burn the ships behind us and say, you know what, I don't care about my reputation anymore. I don't care what everybody else thinks about me anymore. I don't care about all this kind of stuff. I just want you, Jesus, and I'm willing to follow you wherever you lead. So I'm gonna burn my backup plan and I'm just gonna go forward for you because I am ready for freedom. I realize that there may even be places in my life I don't even know I need freedom in, but I'm gonna follow you one intentional step at a time. What would happen if we did that as individuals? What would happen if we did that as a church? I, I, th I think it would be phenomenal if we could do that. And some of the ways we're gonna do this, we've already said is step one is we're gonna read God's word together. We're gonna read his word. We're gonna, we're gonna go through it. We're gonna learn about who our king is. Learn about what it is he's asking of us because he wants freedom for us and we wanna know what it is. Step two, we started this this past Sunday, is what I'm calling 21 days of focus. And the reason why I call it focus rather than fasting is when I, we, we've done this every year uh, that we've been a church. But I started to notice that what started happening was people weren't focusing on Jesus. They were focusing on what they didn't have. You know, you know I haven't had chocolate in 14 days. Y'all pray for me, right? I haven't had coffee in 14 days. Pray for me. I think, I think the world's ending. You know, this, this kind of thing. And that's awesome. But that, is, that doesn't really work. If all you're doing is focusing on what you're not doing, it's just a diet. That's all it is. What fasting really is, is it is a trigger to remind you to do something else. It's a continual prayer. So it's a physical thing reminding you about a spiritual promise of going after God. And so I want you for 14 days to, to, to fast something, but I'm more interested in what you add instead. What are you going to add to get closer to God? How are you going